Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Chris Fosters, and this week we have some very special guests. Chris Chelios, Mark Messier, and Steve Levy were on the call Tuesday night for ESPN's Blackhawks Washington Capitals broadcast. We've got a stacked show for you today on the podcast, presented as always by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. And welcome in. I'm joined, as always, by my two esteemed co-hosts, Kaylee Chelios and Colby Cohen. Guys, we have a great promo from our friends at ChevyDriveChicago.com we want to share with you. You can win an autographed Jonathan Taves reverse retro jersey, courtesy of ChevyDriveChicago.com. All you have to do is visit their website, ChevyDriveChicago.com, to enter. Drive what Kane and Taves drive, and soon you could be wearing what Jonathan Taves wears for a reverse retro night, a jersey signed by him. Uh, once upon a time, I think we could have put those reverse retro jerseys into our Sellies and Chirps segment. They were a little bit controversial when they came out, but uh, I think now that the fans have had a chance to get used to them a little bit, they are becoming quite popular, and they do look really good in person and on television, I must say. Uh, without further ado, we do have some Blackhawks-related updates that we'd like to address with you. And uh, Colby, prospects in particular, taking center stage with the announcement of the Team Canada World Junior roster that includes uh, not one, not two, but four Blackhawks prospects. Very exciting. Yeah, look, uh, anytime you make the World Junior team, it's the under-20s. It's It's really the best prospects and players that are still uh, at, at the amateur levels of, of college or major junior. I know, you know, there's a technicality. Major junior is not uh, necessarily amateur, but um, the Blackhawks, they're, they're going to be well-represented this year and, and not just well-represented overall, but how about on Team Canada? I mean, a huge representation. Uh, the Blackhawks had Kevin Korczynski, Nolan Allen, and Ethan Del Mastro all make the team, all left-handed defensemen. Uh, all pretty early round draft picks. And then Colton Doc uh, also made Team Canada, which, you know, he, he had to make the team. I think the other three were, were kind of penciled into the roster based on how they've played this year. But uh, Colton Doc was, was kind of a bubble player, and uh, the former second-round pick of the Blackhawks was able to make the team. Uh, Ryan Green, another BU uh, Terrier uh, and Blackhawks draft pick, he did not make Team Canada. Um, a lot of people who I spoke to surrounding that situation and just knowing the situation of how these World Junior teams kind of are, you know, Team Canada does not like picking college players. And, and Team USA does not like picking Canadian junior players. So I think Ryan Green was, was uh, kind of on the outside looking in going into it. He went and had a couple of goals in, in the scrimmage games and from what I understood was, was one of the most dominant players um, so kind of didn't make the team based on, let's call it the political side of the game of hockey, uh, which is really disappointing. And, and I know Ryan Green is, is really bummed out, felt like he had a really good camp, um, was able to exchange a couple text messages with him. Uh, but now he's on his way back to Boston. As of this morning, he'll rejoin BU. And, and uh, selfishly, I'm excited because I'll get to see him play at the end of the month when I'm at BU to do BU against Harvard. So uh, you know, an exciting time for Blackhawks prospects. They'll be represented on Team Sweden, Team Canada, 
Um, you know, always good news when your prospects are, you know, the cream of the crop within their countries and their age groups. And pretty cool, too, to be able to put on your country's sweater for the very first time. It's going to be the first for many of these prospects. Um, not Nolan Allen, who played in the World Hockey Championship U18. He's played with Bedard, McTavish, won gold against Russia. It's not the same thing as the World Junior Tournament, but still a really big stage. This is probably going to be the biggest stage that these prospects have played in, despite having played some exhibition games at the NHL level and training camp. So pretty cool for Nolan Allen and Kevin Korchinski, both uh, lefties, like you said, Colby, but we've uh, been following both of them so far in Seattle in the WHL, and Allen can play on his offside. There's a chance that those two may play together at some point, and who knows, maybe next training camp we get a taste of that as well. So it would be cool if we were able to see them play together at any point, and either way, I'm looking forward to seeing Korchinski probably play on the biggest stage for Team Canada under the most pressure. A little controversial how much pressure is put on these kids, but it's totally. one of the most exciting weeks in hockey. Uh, just watching these young players draw in the crowds that they do and how how important it is for them emotionally to be able to wear their country sweater. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's one of my yeah. favorite times of the year for sure. Well, and I can just tell you that, um, sorry, Chris, I know no. I know you're, you're getting ready to add something, but, you know, Yes, they get to play in the U-17s, the U-18s, um, you know, and they do get to wear the country logo for those tournaments. And, and I got to do that in U-17 and U-18. But then once we got to that World Junior, Kaylee, you're spot on. It's a whole nother level of pressure and excitement. And you do finally feel like, yes, you were on Team USA at the U-18s, but once you get to that World Juniors and, and it has that world name to it, there is definitely like a whole nother level of this like, wow, this is really cool. Like I really am representing the country on an international stage on national TV. Uh, when I went, we didn't fare so well, so I'm not going to dive too deep into it. But but it's you're not wrong about the pressure for Team Canada, Kaylee. Like those guys have gotten death threats in prior years for not winning the World Juniors. So the fans in Canada – very much take it seriously. Some might say that's an overreaction. And uh, <laughs> especially, you know, giving, giving death threats to, uh, you know, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old player. Uh, but I guess, uh, you know, sadly, maybe that's one of the downsides of, of sports culture is uh, that this actually takes place in, in a lot of different settings and across a lot of different sports. Philadelphia Eagles became the first NFL team. Colby Cohen's Philadelphia Eagles became the first <laughs> NFL team to wrap up a playoff spot this season. That city is notorious for win or lose. Am I right, Colby? Burning the place down. I mean, you always say they're the city that boos Santa Claus. Uh, I, I've been really surprised to learn that Vancouver has got a reputation for being very raucous and uh, riotous even especially when the Canucks lose. But um, I don't know. I mean, you can, uh, you can cross a line there. We, we, um, I remember when our team won Game 7 in Vancouver, um, not something that anybody expected us to do on the road. We were supposed to stay in Vancouver that night, and we weren't able to. They had to come – security came into the locker room – uh, they had to escort all the families because there was a team charter for the families as well. 
and they had to police escort us back to the airport after maybe, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half of, of sort of post-celebration. Maybe it was two hours. Obviously, things were crazy and, and moving really fast. But people were rioting in Vancouver. People got stabbed. I mean, they, they really hurt that city. And uh, I was living in Philly during the last uh, Eagle Super Bowl. And, like, I was getting ready to, like, put a fortress on my door and, like, reinforce my windows. Because, like, Philly fans, I, I didn't know how they were going to react to that. Super Bowl, and for the most part, they didn't destroy the city too, too much. But you're not wrong; it's it's scary in some places when when teams win. I enjoyed when the Hawks won um, during their 2010, you know, 2013. Because, but you're right to that effect too. I remember going downtown to Wrigleyville to try to go have fun and enjoy the celebrations and people were standing on top of the bus stops and trying to set fire to things. So it does get a little crazy on the celebrations or the anger. I will say like three weeks ago, I was pretty surprised to see the devils throwing full beers on the ice after they were unable to extend their 13 game win streak to 14. Cause Toronto came in, they beat them two to one, but there were three goals that were called back so I think they were trying to throw the beers at the officials, but either way, I just can't imagine being a fan and throwing a full beer on the ice and just looking away like you didn't just throw one at a, a professional athlete. Like, would you throw a beer at a person across the street from you if you didn't like the way, I don't know, the, the hostess sat them at a table or something? It's just a crazy thing to do as a fan. Well, especially in a, in an arena nowadays, that beer costs you fifteen bucks. So <laughs> Chris is much more concerned about the waste of the beer. True <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, let's be frugal here. All right, let, let's uh, let's be let's pinch our pennies. I would equate that to people that go on Twitter and have all sorts of things to say on Twitter that they would never say to somebody's face. I mean, I think that. I mean, I just don't understand what would make an adult because if you're if you have a beer at a game, chances are you're at least, you know, you should be 21. Let's just pretend you had a fake ID and you're 19 or 20. Like what? Like you're an adult. You're not like a kid, like a 10 year old kid who's just like doing something because like you're just a kid. You're an adult and you're sitting there thinking I'm going to throw a full beer on the ice during a. Like, what are we thinking? I mean, the entitlement to, to think that that's okay is asinine to me. Like, I, I mean, imagine that happened when that happened back in the day and Mike Milbury is jumping over the, the glass into the stands going at, you know, those old hockey teams in the past. Uh, I mean, Broad Street Bullies in Philly, the, the guys in Boston back in the – early days i'm sure it happened in chicago at some point but like i'm glad the fans i mean the players jumped over the glass and went, went to, to clean up their own mess i mean it's crazy what people do though wasn't it a shoe with milbury oh, he, yes. he hit a fan with his own shoe or something, something like, like that. that it's mike's crazy <laughs> the uh the the 2011 playoff run that you talk about Colby that you were on with the with the Boston Bruins you know the the Canucks that same playoff run knocked out the Blackhawks and you know the, I've learned a little bit about this uh, recent Blackhawks history but you know the 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 Blackhawks tormented the Canucks in the playoffs for many years and then finally in 2011 the Canucks 
you have this 3-0 lead in that playoff series with the Blackhawks and almost blew it. The Blackhawks won three straight games to force a game seven. And talking to people on the on the Blackhawks staff who were a part of that of that season, there was definitely some concern like, okay, if we win game seven in Vancouver here, like, are we going to be able to get out of here all right? Or are we going to have to somehow get smuggled out of the city or go into hiding? So, I mean, that's that's crazy, the reputation that uh, that Vancouver – I thought Canadians were supposed to be super nice. I was just going to say, they always <laughs> – no, here's what they do. They riot and they they do they burn something and then they apologize and they say they're sorry. That's that's how they handle it because that's what the Canadians they always apologize. They always say sorry. It's because they are the <laughs> nicest people. I mean, they're definitely nicer people. Like, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> we love Canada, no question about that. Don't get it twisted. Um, all right, we've got one more topic that I want to hit on before we get into our our interview with Steve and. Mark and Chris, uh, it, it has to do with Crocs. The BR Open Ice Instagram account came out with a video the other day. Uh, these guys, you know, turned a pair of Crocs. They put a pair of Crocs on skates, basically. And uh, I'm a big Crocs fan. I think it's hilarious how controversial there are. they are. I mean, they're the epitome of function over fashion. Um you know, my, my, my fiance Liz, I don't think would be seen in public with me wearing Crocs personally, but I thought it was awesome that uh, we've got a pair of Croc skates now. <laughs> what do you guys it's think? So cr- it's so creative, I will say. I'm with uh, your fiance Liz, though. I'm not a big fan of Crocs in public, which sounds terrible to say, but um, <laughs> I have a lot of family who will wear them. <laughs> They're comfy. Uh, I will say on the ice, they were pretty epic. I could I could get on board with that. It might be a safety issue with your foot flying out of a crock, but I have to give it to them. The creativity on that and the love for crocs, that video was pretty incredible. So I'll, I'll give some kudos to the inventors of the crocs on skates. That was pretty entertaining. Colby despises crocs, I can tell. <laughs> but, but, but. You're not a but. crocs guy? Not a Crocs person, never owned a pair of Crocs, uh, used to see guys in the locker room use them as like their locker room footwear. Um, I always liked wearing flip-flops or I guess it's not flip-flops, but just like those regular sandals they would give us. I felt like that was more comfortable. Um, Tevas? But t- uh, no, not Tevas, <laughs> Kaylee. <laughs> I almost just agreed with you. No, Kaylee. <laughs> Easy. Um, Just kidding. Nothing against Tevas. I'm going to go and and say A for creativity because it is super creative and cool, but like just Crocs, no. I'm not shocked you like Crocs, Chris. (laughs) Add me to the list of people that won't go in public with you if you're wearing Crocs. Um, I'll proudly be on that list with Liz, Uh, but yeah, it's a a no for me. It's it's just What color Crocs have you worn or what color Crocs do you wear, Chris? Well, this is so. This is the thing. I, I contrary to what I'm sure you're thinking, I, I'm a late adopter when it comes to Crocs. Crocs have been around for, I mean, well over a decade now. There's certainly there's certainly nothing new. I never got my first pair until like three years ago. I went on a camping trip, and they're great when you go camping because they're like a pair of comfortable shoes that you can like wear around the campsite. You know, you don't care if they get dirty or whatever. Then. I was like, these are so amazing. These are so comfortable 
that they just became like my house shoes now when I when I'm bopping around my apartment. So they're just a very you know a very earthen tone, Kaylee. You know, kind of like a forest green, something okay. like that. I don't have any of like you know the the decorations that you can put on them or anything like that. They're not, not bedazzled. You're not bedazzled. They're not, bedazzled. Bedazzled. They're not, they're not bedazzled. They're not like lined with fur or anything like that. Just a just a bread a, you know a bread and butter, very basic. Crocs well, Kelly, guy, at least they are amazing. At least we know what to get Chris now for uh, for the holidays. We'll <laughs> just go. Santa? Let's let's get him some bedazzled Crocs. We'll go. We'll get them made up. We'll get some some bells and whistles put on them. Okay, our good friend Jenna just told us that they're called gibbets if you want to add bedazzles or extra accessories to your Crocs. Pretty soon, Chris, I know how people with Crocs go. They're going to have indoor Crocs, outdoor Crocs. I'm pretty sure you're going to have a camo pair coming up. So good for you. I don't think Colby and I are sold on getting Crocs just yet, but I'm very happy that you've recently found your love for them. People see our feet. Don't <laughs> see our feet on TV. So I just saw Braden Point wear Crocs on stage with Smash Mouth. So maybe they're coming back, you know, like big time. That's on a full stage in front of thousands. <laughs> Don't knock it till you try it. That's all that's all, all I'm right. going to say. That's fair game. Fair game. Okay, without further ado, let's segue into – I mean, we, we've had some great interviews on, on the podcast, really the, the highlight of the show, in, in my opinion. This one is certainly up there with, with some of the greats that we've had all season long. Uh, a, a pleasure, as always, to have Kaylee's dad, Chris, on the podcast. Chris does such a good job as a Blackhawks ambassador, but Chris was joined by his – as You'll hear Kaylee say his partners in crime on the ESPN NHL broadcast team. Steve Levy, the play-by-play broadcaster who, as a broadcast nerd, I've been a fan of for a really long time. And Mark Messier, like Chris Chelios, one of the greatest hockey players of all time. And, I mean, holy cow, they shared a screen, as you'll you'll see soon. They shared a screen for our interview, and it was like, holy smokes. I mean, to have those two guys on the same screen... That's a lot of wins. That's a lot of games played. That's nine Stanley Cups, to be exact. So we really think you're going to enjoy it. Our conversation with Steve Levy, Mark Messier, and Chris Chelios of ESPN. And without further ado, here they are. All right, in TV, uh, this is what we would call a crowded booth. We've got three guests coming on the Blackhawks Insider Podcast right now. And how about two in the same shot, two Hall of Famers? I mean, you can't put more hockey credentials. Great to be here. Uh, Great to be with we'll, you guys. We'll get Thanks to you in a second, on. all right? We'll get, we'll get to, we'll oh, get to you, you in a you second, You weren't talking Steve. about me yet. No, not yet. Sorry. Not yet. You are talking about the other okay, guy. Well, here, okay, we got Chris Chelios, who, of course, yeah. won two of his three Norris trophies with the Chicago Blackhawks. And then it's fitting to have Mark Messier in Chicago. Like Michael Jordan, Messier won six championships, six Stanley Cups, of course. Steve, I'm really sorry. The only distinction you have is being my favorite sports center anchor. That's uh, that's the best. That's the best I can do for you. I'm sorry, man. I, well, I appreciate it. This does feel like a mistake. Like I feel like I joined a party that I was not invited to. Like, what am I doing here with these guys? Well, listen, we, we were wondering, you know, when, when you guys come to Chicago, does anybody other than Chris have any say in where you go to dinner? No, we put it on him. 
Uh, you know, home ice advantage. We'll put it all on him. Totally. Well, now, now we finally get the opportunity to talk to or see what he's been talking about for the last year about here in Chicago there and all his acquaintances and all his hot spots. So we're, we're excited for tonight. Well, Chris, I heard that, you know, you were a big fan of Tavern on Rush, which, of course, is closed now. So what's what's kind of your plan B? Broke my heart. There's plenty of places, for sure. And <laughs> Chicago mess knows that, and so does Lee. <laughs> I'm sure, um, but tonight I'm going to plug him because we're going to Chicago Cut. That's one of my favorite steakhouses, best balcony in Chicago. And All right, big dinner, big game, Hawks uh, against Washington. So really quick around the horn, Dad, I'll start with you. Do you think Ovi ties Gordie Howe? He needs four more goals to hit 800, five to, to pass Gordie Howe, or excuse me, tie him, and then uh, we'll start with that. Do you think he gets there? Well, I'm cheering for the Hawks, but it's been a tough year, and he's probably, he's probably frothing at the mouth right now, just going to sit there in that one-timer spot. But, um, you know, again, it's it, now it's you know it's getting to the point where everybody's paying attention. You know, it, it, it's reality that he's he's got a really good chance of breaking that record. And I'm sure everybody tomorrow, the crowds haven't been sold out, but I, I think a lot of people are going to be coming to see Ovechkin play tomorrow, and then the Capitals are playing better now. And... Uh, uh, he's fun to watch. He's done it all. He's scored all different kinds of ways. He's physical. He's, and the, the remarkable thing is how durable he's been over the course of his career. And you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him play tomorrow. Yeah, for me, I, I think it just goes to show you how significant the, the record is uh, and what that record has meant as far as goal scoring and, and how unattainable it was just a few years ago. And here we are probably still two and a half years out uh, before it, if Alex has a chance to break it and, and it's getting all this attention and we're still two and a half years out. So I just think that uh, it's, it's a remarkable record uh, that, uh, that he's approaching on. And if he does go on to break it, it'll be an incredible achievement. And for me, like, you know, he's probably not going to get four goals, you know, on the Monday night, but, but I'm certainly rooting for it. Uh, the only downside is for these kind of things, I like to see you do it at home. I'm a big uh, believer in the home crowd and that, and that roar, although I think uh, Chicago's, you know, really educated hockey fans will certainly appreciate his efforts. Uh, I think we'll take the hat trick. You know, there are a lot of special numbers here. Even if he gets to an even 800, uh, and I'm assuming that one will be an empty net goal because he's on a crazy streak of empty net goals, which is not that dramatic. Uh, but it would be cool to be in the, in the building when he gets uh, at least 800. I'd like to see that. Well, Leaves, you you got to know him pretty well because didn't you guys film a Sports Center commercial together? I, I remember a pretty funny one amongst many. I mean, I know you've you've kind of starred in those commercials over the years. There's there's a, a long list of them, and and you know what what was doing that commercial like for you? And and let's say go back to the original Sports Center spot, which I know you were on a, a many years ago. I'm not going to say the year of it. I don't want to age it too much here. And then, you know, on the backside of that, Chris and Mark, I got to assume you guys are being asked to, to do all sorts of movies and commercials throughout your career. I don't know if there's any notables maybe that you guys turned down that maybe you're looking at now going, ah, that would have been fun to be in that movie. Well, the, the cool one about Ovechkin for the This Is Sports Center was it was the most expensive This Is Sports Center commercial ever made huh. because in it, uh, they have this machine that has to lower Alex down through the roof and, and, and pull him up and, and then drop him down. So they made it look like it was a, a copy room inside a building. And uh, as Mark and Chris know now from being in Bristol, 
uh, we actually built that fake office on the basketball court. Because, of course, in the real building, we don't have room above the roof, right, to have a machine to lift Alex up and drop him down for. So uh, they had to put in this, had to build a conference room, have the machine. And the other cool thing about Alex was they had a stunt double for him. Uh, they had a, a full guy, you know, in his full gear, the massive hockey pants that Alex wears, you know, his backside and everything. They had a guy had all that kind of stuff going on. And at the last second, Alex refused and said, I do my own stunts. But, um, <laughs> you know, with all the Russian turmoil and everything that's been going on in the world, they still replay that now. You know, he talks about late night filings and he makes this <laughs> this uneasy, awkward laugh. But it was it was a really good spot. And, um, yeah, one of the ones I'm more proud of. <laughs> Mark, I've seen you in Subway lately. Yeah, you, you got to be careful what you, what you agree <laughs> to and what you what, what you pass up. Uh, <laughs> one, one notable one is that uh, the, the role I had in Slapshot 3 uh, quite a few years ago, and now my kids are getting old enough to uh, have found that on the Internet somehow or another. So they, they remind me often of my, uh, my acting debut. And, uh, well, it wasn't my acting debut, but they, they found that pretty funny. Uh, I was also, was that with one of the Baldwins, that Slapshot 3? Yeah. I did that with Barry, actually, Steve. Me and Barry. It was a Slapshot 3? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, sur- <laughs> I'm surprised you don't know that, Lee. Yeah, yeah. And then I did uh, Cutting Edge with DB, but I got X'd on that one. Never made never made a scene. And then the, la- the best, I guess, would have been Mighty Ducks. But it was cool in the beginning, you know, doing those cameos with some of the guys. I remember the Mighty Ducks was with Madonna, Cam Neely, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was kind of cool, Luke Robitaille. But after a while, sitting around and waiting and not getting paid isn't much fun. So uh, <laughs> that kind of halted. Hey, hey Steve, just, just just for you, I'm gonna I'm gonna set us up with a little movie night when we're on the road this year, and we're gonna three of us are gonna watch Slap Shot Three. That'd be great for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Find a drive-in movie theater somewhere, I think, in Chicago, if you're interested. But Slapshot 3. Yeah. I'll, I'll pop in the VH, uh, VH8 or whatever. Yes. <laughs> VHS. VHS, yeah. Well, we've got, uh, we've got the ESPN NHL broadcast team of Steve Levy, Chris Chelios, and Mark Messier with us. And, you know, Steve, for a long time on SportsCenter, you and, and John Butchigross and, and Linda Cohen were the – kind of the voices of the NHL in that now window of time when when the ESPN did not have NHL broadcast rights. Uh, You know, reading a little bit about you, I know you did hockey play-by-play as a college student. Growing up in New York, though, uh, how did you get into hockey and and how have you come to be so passionate about it? Yeah, so uh, I grew up um, really on Long Island and uh, I was the only Ranger fan in my high school. And my four years in high school were the four consecutive Islander Cups. And uh, to this day, that is still the best hockey I've ever seen. Uh, the best clutch goaltending. I want to talk about a tough guy in goal with Billy Smith. And that's, you know, that's obviously going way back. But they could out finesse you, they could brawl with you too. And uh, just to watch, I'm sure Mess isn't going to be pleased about this, but uh, that that run, uh, you know, that came just prior to the Oilers run, of course. And um, but that was my four years in high school, and even prior to that, I just just fell in love with the game. Uh, you know, th- there's the sport, and then there are the people uh, in the sport. And you know, I've been fortunate to cover uh, all the professional sports, and uh, I'm not afraid of saying that the hockey people, you know, both on and off the ice, are just just to the highest character and just the best 
most regular, you know, most like just to be hanging around people. There's there's no airs about them. Uh, not a lot of pretentiousness. You just you just wouldn't last in hockey. And I'm not even talking about, you know, those who play the game or in the room. I mean, you couldn't even be around. Even even hockey media, you know, for the most part, there are exceptions. Um, exceptions you know, just really rule. terrific people. So I've been really I've been really fortunate uh, in that regard. And uh, that's why I'm such a big fan of the sport. But it is it is number one in my heart. And uh, I've been fortunate to do a lot of other games and sports, but I'm really lucky to get to a bunch of things. Mark, starting with you, what's one of your uh, favorite moments from last season and ESPN's first year back in hockey on camera? And then how hard is it to work with my dad <laughs> off camera every time? You're not scoring any points here, Kaylee. <laughs> Are you no, going to ground me? <laughs> I, 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 I was very uh, excited to uh, to take on the challenge of doing this. I uh, have a lot of respect for, uh, for the industry and the people that brought the game uh, into my living room as a kid, um, you know, Danny Galliband, Dick Irvin, you know, the great Rod Phillips, uh, all the great broadcasters uh, through my childhood. Uh, um, I, I understand the uh, the difficulty of it now, and and the guys that do it well, like our uh, our, our boss Steve Levy here, uh, it's an incredible talent. Uh, with other, and Steve and Steve and and the whole team were so gracious to. Uh, to Chris and I, and uh, St- uh, Steve had no ego in it whatsoever. He uh, really helped us out. He set us up, teed us up uh, to be and to look good at, at times when we uh, made a million mistakes. And uh, so I think that that was really good for me. The the, the, the fun part was, uh, you know, the learning curve. And then, of course, getting into the playoffs uh, and the excitement that we saw in the playoffs last year, obviously, certainly with the Rangers, and be, to be able to cover the Rangers as much as we did last year. And then, and then travel with uh, Steve and Chris in, in the uh, in, in in the Stanley Cup Finals was awesome, and really kind of get back into the game, which had been out of for quite some time. So, just feeling that energy around and uh, and being around the hockey people again, and being back in the game at that level, and and seeing and being in the buildings uh, for me was was incredible last year. Yeah, I mean, it's like being part of a team again. You know, what, you know, you feel relevant actually. Uh, in the hockey world, it's, it's crazy to say that, but um, being away from the game, and Mess really didn't coach. I didn't coach a whole lot. Um, and, and the next best thing to coaching, you know, and, and being in that room is doing what we're doing, I think. And, and you feel like a part of it. I think we had the respect of the players, so they made us feel comfortable. And then the ESPN team, without Leaves, Bushi, the rest of the crew, you know, they could make or break us, and, and they helped us so am- amazingly. They made it a lot easier, and I felt from the beginning to the end, just like a player, you want to get better and improve. And I, I, I kind of felt like we did. Uh, when the playoffs rolled around, though, that was exciting. Like, it was just like, you know, you were playing. And the energy in the buildings, we had great, you know, playoff series, starting with Tampa, Toronto, and then, of course, Mess being from the Rangers, and, and, and that whole the series was amazing. I mean, half the country's probably hoping for that Rangers to get in the finals because it have been amazing ratings. But, you know, we got to count, count our blessings that it end up with Tampa, you know, and Colorado, two of the best teams all year. And, you know, for first year back for hockey, I think, you know, from our bosses on down, including us, couldn't have went any better. You know, it was a, almost you know, lucky for us that we got in at that time and, and had the, the teams in the finals. And it, uh, I'll never forget it. But for me, it would be tough. Tough to beat that, that that first year, quite honestly. Well, I can tell you guys that um, 
you're any you've you've been anything but irrelevant because for most people who are playing the game right now and are are in their probably core levels of fanhood we watched you guys play growing up and and you guys were part of so many great moments you know mark you were a ranger i grew up in philly as a flyers fan so you just you know you tortured the flyers and and so many heartbreaking moments you know for me as a kid you know just watching you guys win those hockey games but now that you're analysts, you're forced to talk about players, situations. It's a little bit different than being inside the dressing room. So, you know, I'm just curious from your guys' perspective as as Hall of Famers, um, you guys were part of some big big trades in your day. And if it wasn't you, maybe, you know, Mark, you, you watched your teammate Wayne Gretzky be traded. You know, Chris, you, you played in a couple of different places as well. Um, you know, those are seismic level trades that you don't, you don't see that often. So I'm, I'm curious if you guys see something similar coming down the pike with Kane and Taves, obviously we all know their contract situation. Uh, we all see the rumors and are you able to put yourself maybe in their shoes for, for really what's probably coming sooner than later? Well, I'll go first. Mess probably better one to ask because. You're talking about Cater and Taze, and I think Wayne and, and Mark, you know, you're talking about a lot of great players get traded, but not a lot of players that have had the success that those two guys had, four guys with their teams. You know, Mess winning the Cups in Edmonton with Gretz, and then Taser and Cater winning in Chicago. So that's the part, I think, that really, you know, really it, it, it stings if you're in that situation because you love that team so much and you've been through so much and you win championships. So... You know, as much as it was great for me to, to play in my hometown, I, I never had that success winning a cup or the, the, the fortune to win that cup. And you can't have everything because I look at guys that never won the cup. So to, to have three and mess having six, you know, we count our blessings that we were able to accomplish that. So it, it's, you know, it's got to be tough. I, I would think if I'm Kane and Taze, and I, like I said, I was a little bit in the same boat and I'll let Mark finish. But um, had I had that success, it would have been a lot tougher to leave Chicago. Yeah, for me, I, I I just don't think there's any easy way to end the tenure for those two guys here in Chicago, um, you know, for the team or for themselves. Uh, I think if you first look at the salary cap uh, problem in the era that we live in, you know, they deserved every dollar that they've gotten, but they've also hamstrung themselves and the team from what they can do in the future because the team is in a rebuild, and rebuilds are, are very hard on the fans, are hard on the organization, and they're hard on the veterans on the team because... I think everybody would, would say, and every hockey fan and everybody else would say, they want to see Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane and watch them in the playoffs. They want to see them on a competitive team, uh, you know, trying to win another Stanley Cup. And that's going to be hard to do in Chicago over the next few years until they kind of reboot themselves and get themselves going. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the kind of the difficult things in the salary cap era. Um, and of course, like I said, they, they deserved every dollar that they've got, but it's a blessing and a curse at the same time. So for me, I, I, you know, I, I think that if I was those guys, as, as hard as it would be, it would be in, in, in the age that they're still at. I mean, I went to uh, New York when I was 30 years old, and I felt that I had a whole lot of hockey left to play. And, and fortunately for us, things worked out in New York, and it was an incredible experience. You know, when I left Edmonton, it was really kind of scary. And, you know, I didn't know what I was going to expect. I didn't know if my so-called second career was going to be as gratifying or satisfying or or I would enjoy it as much. But 
I was hopeful it would be, and sure enough, it, it was. But um, So I think for the players themselves that have played on the team as long as they have, and they're still unbelievable hockey players. I mean, I watched them both. Patrick Kane has one of my, been one of my favorite players over the last part, uh, you know, pretty much for his whole career. I love watching him play. Um, he'll, he'll get a lot of satisfaction. As tough as it would be to leave Chicago, uh, going to a competitive team in a different environment and, and winning a Stanley Cup again, I think that would be a, would be a goal of his. Chris, I got a question for you. Uh, you know, your reputation as one of the Iron Men and one of the true workhorses in the, in the NHL is pretty legendary. And did you ever ask, or did you ever think it was possible for you to play sixty minutes to play every single minute in in one game? Did you ever try and uh, accomplish that? <laughs> I think I've, all, I've hit it once. We had a triple overtime uh, against Calgary. That's when uh, Joe Murphy, Big Joe, scored the the game winner OT. But I did hit 60 minutes once in my career. But, you know, when you're young and you're, everything's going well, you don't get tired. At least I did. In defense, you get a little bit of a rest sometimes when you're on a good team. Um, towards the end, I had no problem sitting out the last 10 minutes and resting, <laughs> letting the other guys play. So, but, um, you know, like Duncan Keith's a perfect example. He logged tons of minutes, you know, and wasn't a big guy, um, but what he accomplished was amazing. Mark, I was a little bit young, so I didn't watch you or my dad go head-to-head, Steve. I mean, you, you got to call a lot of games, and I'm sure watched a lot more than I did, but what was it like playing against each other and now being partners in crime with uh, Leeds? Well, we were talking about it uh, uh, last year a little bit. Uh, we actually never did play each other in the playoffs, and we were never really uh, that often in the same conference. Uh, so we didn't play as much against each other as you would have thought over our long careers. And uh, But, you know, I had heard so much about uh, Chris from my good friend Brian Leach uh, when I was with the Rangers and how much respect Brian had for Chris and told me what a great guy. And, of course, we ultimately ended up uh, – getting to know each other a little bit better on some long nights at the all-star game yeah. here in Chicago a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. So all the story, all the stories that I heard were true. We, 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 uh, we became very friendly after that. Yeah. We were pretty much the last ones to leave every all-star game. I the basement when we played in Boston at all-star game, but yeah, it's just crazy. I never played against Bess or Wayne in all those years in the playoffs, not one round. So, you would have uh, loved driving Wayne crazy in the playoffs. Oh, and then I would have you come after me and Marty come after me. So that's fine. But, uh, yeah, but again, same for Mess. Like, what a great leader he was, and it would have been awesome to, to play a season with him. Uh, never happened, but now here we are on a team together. It's pretty cool and uh, really enjoying it. Uh, it we, I think together, like, you know, Mess is serious, real serious. I, I, now I get it why guys followed him. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but that's been great. <laughs> I, I I was in that basement in Boston too. By the way, I can't yeah. think of the name of the place. Daisies? I, was it Daisies? No, it wasn't. That's another one, but it wasn't Daisies. And yeah. it was a, a, a basement uh, in a Boston bar that we were there a long was it time. In Actually, I, I think Hall? That helped. Was it the dugout? No, it wasn't in Faneuil Hall. Code. No, not was it, Hall. Was it the dugout? Boylston on, Street. On Boylston Street. Yeah, remember that? It was all staring at me. You Noons was down in the basement. You yep. Were, Yep. Mom was there right till six in the morning too. <laughs> well, it did help that I got to cover these guys' careers and that I did know them personally before we started working together. Um, you know, Mess obviously being in New York, I'd bump into him in a variety of places. You know, away from the Garden and uh, 
And Kelly, your dad did did take me out World Cup of Hockey in Montreal. I, mean, I couldn't, you know, five a.m. We're in some Greek place. What was the name of that place, Kelly? I don't know. Move so Come on, it was a famous one. Well, it was a park extension. It wasn't Milos, but it was something right near Milos. But, yeah, that was a great night for everybody. 5 a.m., place yeah. flying, things on fire. Yeah. Leeds, when, when, I, when I look at Mark and Chris, I mean, these guys look yeah. like they could probably still strap it up and, and play. Yeah. Does, does, yeah. does Chris have you uh, riding the stationary bike with him in the sauna? Get you know, Are you on that routine with these guys or what? I mean, Mark, you, you yeah. look like you could still play. I mean. They have have threatened a little bit, yeah. It's when we go to the cafeteria, (laughs) when we look at the difference in the plates, you know, mine has a bunch of pasta on it. You know, Mess has all this healthy stuff. There's a lot of green on his plate. (laughs) I'm telling you, we're working on that, though, Kobe, because honestly, I never put weight on since I was 21 or 22, the first year ever, just because you're sitting around the studio so much, especially when you got early and late. So it – it takes it. It does. It's it's hard not to just keep picking and, and eating. And, you know, Jesus, I I appreciate these people who stay in shape and never played sports. You know, well, Chris, I'm always I'm always trying to get Kaylee to go in on an Uber Eats order with me when we're in the studio. But whenever I name the places that I want to get food from, she's just rolling her eyes at me. So I, I strike out on that one all the time. Well, she's married to a walking vitamin, so good luck with that one. <laughs> Danny V, gotta love him. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, impressive. Definitely a good plug for good, Danny. Good follow v. on Instagram. Yeah, well, when I when I when I started dating him, I had to make sure he could level up to my dad and two brothers because that was the first thing my dad did was Google him, and then he said it would take both my brothers to take him out if they had to. So that was a welcome to the family yeah. moment for uh, for you, Danny. Shout yeah. out. <laughs> So, Steve, I have to say, then, is it you who leads the troops home at 5 a.m. or who gets to be the responsible one <laughs> that, of the three uh, of you? That's a good question. I would say we've all taken turns there. Uh, I'm one of those guys who will make, you know, one last one, final, final, you know, one of those guys. Final, final. The beauty is, the beauty is, you know, it's really only once a week. And when we go out, it's usually in Bristol, Connecticut. So there's not too much trouble you can get into there. I only take them to the finest places in Bristol. There's a Chili's down the street, you know, and try to show them. So, so Mess has Manhattan, you know, Chris has Chicago, and I got Bristol, and I think it's fair. I think it works out nicely for everyone. Yeah. Mark, there was, a, there was a, you know, a big event for the Blackhawks in November when they retired, retired Marion Hosa's jersey. And, you know, I was talking to one of my broadcast partners, Troy Murray, and, and at that event, they had all seven Blackhawks who were members of all three of those Stanley Cup teams. And we were commenting on how that was one of the great cores for an extended run in, in NHL history. And, of course, you know, your Edmonton Oilers frequently get mentioned in that conversation as well. And as you saw those Blackhawks teams play out over the course of the last decade, did their core remind them of, of yours in Edmonton in any way? Well, I mean, it, that's a good that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I think the differentiator is always going to be Wayne in any conversation like that. So, I mean, you know, it's hard to say any team could measure up to that core be just because of Wayne and what he was able to bring to us. Um, I think the the thing that I remember most about that team, I mean, how many years was it before the, uh, Chicago had won a Stanley Cup until they won the first one? Was it 49 years? So, so 49 years, 
they have an amazing team, amazing nucleus. They win the Stanley Cup, and that summer they got to trade away, you know, half their to all forwards because of the salary cap. But which is really interesting because uh, they were able to put that, you know, bottom six, so-called bottom six forward together that were all being, you know, really underpaid for how good they were. And, of course, they all went and got traded and made much more money uh, after that. But, um, you know, when, when you start, you know, with, with two players like, uh, you know, Taze and Kane, you know, when they, you know, that is an amazing uh, pillar uh, to work from, to, to start a team from. And sure enough, they, they were clutching every situation, uh, you know, you know, three Stanley Cups in the salary cap era, you know, that's pretty that that's pretty strong. I mean, I, I don't know how it measures up in, in history with all the other great teams and great nucleuses, but my hat sure off to them and the organization for 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 getting that team together, keeping the core together, and going on and winning three Stanley Cups under really hard managerial processes with the salary cap. So, uh, you know, where where they stand in the history of uh, of nucleuses, I don't know, but they were sure good. Well, Colby and Kaylee, 5 a.m. is still a, a little bit of a ways away, but these guys have a dinner reservation we got to let them get to here. Uh, any final questions for our for our panel of experts, Chris, Mark, and Steve? I feel like we totally. could go on forever, but we'll hopefully get to see you at the United Center, and we hope you guys have a great broadcast together. It was a lot of fun catching Thanks, up. Thanks, Kaylee. Thanks we, for coming on, guys. I really appreciate it. You got it, it Dad. Colby, yeah. thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Be good. All right, Kaylee, be honest. What's it like interviewing your dad? I mean, I remember the first time I interviewed him. I was completely dreading it. <laughs> we just, like, <laughs> we're very similar, but sometimes it's, like, oil and vinegar as well, and who knows what's going to come out. But I will say I love interviewing him with people like Mark or some of his buddies in that sense because it's kind of like they're right back in their playing days. They're, like, kids again. They have a great rapport, and I don't know. I learned something new. I had to do some homework on both of them, and there was like a million things I just thought I knew about him, and I didn't about his career because I live with him, and we're pretty good friends, so I just don't think to look up his stats ever, but when you do, it's it's fun to to see two people like him and Mark come together who have such a decorated history because it's not the stuff I usually talk about with him unless it's related to the Blackhawks. Yeah, the sixty-minute game. I uh, I thought that was legend. I didn't think that actually happened. The time on ice was not recorded as an official stat before I think the nineteen ninety-eight ninety-nine season. So, um, but that is astounding to play like you know because we're we're on the broadcast and it's like oh this guy's got a ninety-second shift. He must be gassed. Like playing sixty minutes in one game. That I I can't believe that's physically possible but anyways I wonder that was an amazing speaking of that I did wonder how much time on ice I'll have to look it up I don't know now but Seth Jones played in the playoffs against Tampa Bay he played in five overtimes oh yeah him and Hedman I think were very very close to if not right around 60 so that was a pretty incredible stat speaking of him I remember watching that game. Was Braden Point? Did he score that overtime goal in the slot or something like that? He it was did, like a broken yes. play. Yeah. Yep, he did. No, that's that's uh I remember that one. I remember the one between Pittsburgh and Philly that went to five overtimes. Uh 
I still remember that one because I didn't go to school the next day. But, but yeah, I mean, look, Chris, Chris Chelios was was just so, I mean, well-known for that kind of thing. And there was all sorts of rumor and legend about his stationary bike and, and how much time he used to spend on that thing getting in shape. And, you know, we, we hit it in the in the interview. I mean, when I see him walking around, he's still in better shape than everyone. I mean, the guy is just has like just looks – like he could probably just strap him on and be like, yeah, all right, I could play a couple of games, no big deal. Um, so it's <laughs> a couple shifts. It's it's definitely. I liked the shoulders joke too. Mark's shoulders were too big for the <laughs> for the Zoom interview. <laughs> well, and Steve Levy's such a riot. I mean, he's such a perfect personality for for I feel like your dad and and Mark Messier because. Like your dad is such a humble guy when you talk to him. I mean, he he really is, and and I don't obviously we don't I don't know Mark Messier well, but you could just tell that he's humble by the way he talks about the game and other players and gives credit everywhere else. And then you got Steve Levy, who is kind of like the perfect you know straw to mix up that drink of of humble, uh, you know humble soup because he comes in with this big personality, full of jokes. If you ever get, you know, he's he's hysterical, Steve. Like his his humor on the air is a lot like his humor off the air. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun to listen to those guys do the game. The three of them, I, I've never heard them do a game, only studio. Um, so hearing them in game, I think could lend to some some banter and some entertainment between the three of them. So we'll we'll have to see how that 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 goes. Well, there would be no point in putting the interview into our Sellies or Chirps segment because we would unanimously be celebrating it. Nonetheless, let's get to Sellies or Chirps, the point of the show where each of us brings a local story or relevant topic to the group and asks if it should be celebrated or chirped, challenged. Uh, I'll start. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is personal for me. We were, uh, the three of us, along with John Weideman and, and Troy Murray, the broadcast team, a good chunk of it, were at the Field Museum earlier this week for a season ticket holders event, and it was an opportunity, uh, among other things, for season ticket holders to take pictures with the players and, and, and the broadcasters as well. So I found out, going into this event, that they were going to station the broadcasters by Sue the Dinosaur, and fans could come up, take their picture with us. You'd have Sue the Dinosaur in the background, and I'm, I'm pumped, okay? Like, I'm, I'm amped. I love Sue the Dinosaur. I love the Field Museum. I remember when Sue the Dinosaur came to the Field Museum, and it was a sensation. Like, I came down with my family from Wisconsin. We checked her out. It was awesome. And I'm like, and then I, I walk in with Colby and Kaylee, and they're like, this is it? I thought it'd be bigger. <laughs> Guys, come on. It's like, it's a 90% complete T-Rex skeleton. They've literally never found anything like this before. And it's enormous. She's 40 feet long. She's like almost 20 feet tall. Like, come on. Okay. Are you uh, Now that you've seen it, now that you've had a chance to, to maybe soak some things in, are we celebrating or chirping Sue the dinosaur at the Field Museum? Celebrating Sue, but after that, definitely chirping Colby's and I's reaction <laughs> to thinking Sue wasn't that big a deal. Um, I guess watching the Jurassic Park movies, I just assume Sue might be twice as big as that. So, 
<laughs> no, I was really when you put it in perspective about what it was, and I can see your dedication to the dinosaur situation. Your family is all involved. It makes me appreciate Sue a lot more than Colby and I did walking into that museum. I wish I could redo that and have a better reaction than Colby comparing Sue to his dog in size. Well, but you know what, Kaylee? I'm, 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 I am what I am, and I'm not taking it back. So I, I <laughs> look, of course, it's cool. No, but I'm just not into that. I didn't go to the museum when I was a little kid. I went to hockey practice, Chris. You know, we didn't get excited about the new exhibit at the, you know, Please Touch Museum in Philadelphia because we were probably in New England at like a hockey tournament playing like seven games a day when, when we were little kids. So uh, it's cool, no doubt, but I just like, I don't know. I thought it would be bigger like Kaylee. No, I also no. watched her at, I, I, I watched Jurassic Park too. Like, I mean, like, I I thought it would be bigger. You know, that's I that's all. I think that all, makes or... us sound even worse saying that we've seen Jurassic Park. That's not real dinosaurs, but yeah, it's not. Okay. They're real. Well, they look pretty real to, to me in that movie. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, Sue is real, and I think there have only been like 30 T Rex skeletons ever discovered, and this one is like basically fully intact, but. I'll let it slide. I'm glad that uh, you at least got to see Sue in person. I do actually think that – actually, I, I'm not sure about this. Obviously, Sue is named after the paleontologist who by and large discovered – I was going to ask, how do we even know her know. name is Sue? Did she, did she get to choose that name? I mean, like, what's the – we just calling her Sue? I mean – I actually don't know. I, I actually don't know if uh, if they've determined that Sue the dinosaur was a female. Maybe maybe they have. I'm not sure. I'll have to see. I, I need to. I yeah, need you, to really, you really, you really, go back there. you really like you her. Back, I can Chris. tell. All right. Well, celebrate Sue. I like Sue. Um, Thank you, Kaylee, for coming around. Yeah, I do. I feel really bad about my initial response to her size. I love Sue. It was a great experience, and I'm very grateful that we had that opportunity to meet her at the Field Museum. So. I'll celebrate that, and with mine, I want to transition to Subway. Um, we talked about it with Mark. He is now an ambassador. He's in commercials with Subway, and for a long time, I am just blown away that Subway seems to be America's sandwich, and the best of the best have endorsed Subway. Tom Brady, Simone Biles, so you have the Olympics. I mean, I don't know where the money is coming from there. There has been proof that there's no tuna in their tuna sandwich, that there's a chemical in the bread that oh. is in yoga, yoga mat. I mean, there's a lot of things that oh. have not come out great about the ingredients of Subway. So my question for you guys, are you celebrating Subway as America's sandwich or are you chirping Subway? Well, it's been a long time since I've been to Subway, uh, last Saturday to be precise. <laughs> that's so epic of you chris let's let's celebrate let's celebrate subway baby i mean i i, I wish uh i wish we could go back to the days of the five dollars did you get yeah, did you that, get that chips that and a cookie is good <laughs> no I, I i skip i've never been the chips i've never been a chips or a cookie guy but um you know i'm still down to house a foot long the cookies are um, the only good thing at subway you know, I've never, I've honestly never tried the cookies at Subway. Like, I, I just don't, like, I believe you got to stay in your lane. 
you know, it's not a bake, it's not a bake shop. Why? All they <laughs> do know, is bake, the all they do is bake bread all day and give off an aroma that can That's make true. you nauseous. So Colby's chirping. That's so fair. And I, look, I, I will say, I, I will say that I, you know, I would go to Subway like all the time in college, you know, cheap meal on the go. And yeah, like the smell, like I would smell like Subway for the rest of the day. So you know, I get that's a, that's somewhat of a drawback, but if you, if you're not going to say Subway is America's sandwich, then what what are you going to say, Colby? I just don't understand how they have so much money to get all these a- athletic endorsements. First off, I'm definitely chirping it. It's not America's sandwich. It's gross. I didn't even know the stuff that Kaylee said. I'm not shocked that like they're making their bread out of the same thing Lululemon's making their yoga mats out of. That's not surprising at all. Uh, but like, seriously, I, I didn't even realize that Subway's still around. I, I guess maybe I'm just oblivious to it. Um, but the smell of Subway just makes me actually sick. And when I walk in somewhere and the smell is that in your face, like I just I can't even I can't do it. And I did eat Subway when I was in like high school because sometimes like we would be going to an away game and you would just like need something. So I, and I just, I can't, I think I would rather eat. I'd probably rather do a juice cleanse than eat Subway. And I really hate doing a juice cleanse. I've tried that before. It's miserable. So I'm chirping this. I don't know where they're getting all this money to get all these endorsers. Uh, maybe open, owning a subway is better than eating at a subway. Maybe, but I'm just I, I can't I can't get on board. Uh, and and I'm sure Kaylee knows even more stuff about the ingredients that would make me more uncomfortable even talking about subway. All of that has come out recently. I used to eat a lot of Subway back in my day for sure. I loved the five dollar foot long. I loved the song five dollar. <laughs> Five dollars. There we go. But I wouldn't. I now that I know what I know, I wouldn't. I just like I said, I can't believe like Tom Brady, Pat Mahomes, Olympians, and now are you know one of the hockey gods, Mark Messier. I mean, I don't know how they get these people to endorse this sandwich, but good job by them because it has me wanting to open up another podcast that's investigating how Subway is able to do this <laughs> well crazy. and we're sitting we're clearly sitting here spending 15 minutes talking about subway so obviously yeah. they are doing something right well in the spirit of doing something right, i know where i'm going to lunch today oh heck yeah don't, chris don't Please don't tweet don't, it. don't send me any pictures <laughs> um but in this in the spirit of right and wrong my cellular chirp this week has to do with the phenomenon of basically of basically of social media, because here's here's now what happens. Everybody latches onto a TV show, and we'll use the White Lotus as an example. Uh, I just finished the finale. I won't talk about anything within the episodes, you know, for those who haven't seen it. But how do we feel about the fact that people are like almost live tweeting and reacting to these? episodes and everybody watches at their own pace now because of you know on demand and streaming so where are we with this whole thing about what is the etiquette would you say for how long after the season finale drops till you can go to your social media channels and start talking about it 
Um, and for example, I saw over the last couple of days, I had to wait to watch White Lotus. My wife was away, so I had to wait for her. So I would see headlines about the show on Twitter, and I would just buzz right through it and make sure like, I didn't look at anything. I didn't see anything. So it doesn't really bother me, but I'm just wondering, like, where are you guys with that? What is the etiquette? You know, is it is it totally a party foul? Is it fair game? You know, what's the what's the word on the the reaction from very very popular cultural shows? Kayla, you want to weigh in first, or you want me to? I'll let you weigh in, Chris, Mister <laughs> Mister. Look, I mean, I, you know. We, we yeah thank you <laughs> where's, where's my deal i know you're <laughs> nice <laughs> they don't have to give you a deal you eat there anyway yeah that's true you're the only person i'm funding i'm funding yeah i'm funding their budget <laughs> uh okay <laughs> look you can like try and take you know some kind of i don't know moral stance on this and and say like oh you've gotta you gotta respect you know other people watching on their own time look like this is the world we live in now. I mean, it, it is an instantaneous world thanks to the internet and social media. And if you don't want a spoiler, then you gotta, you gotta stay off social media. Um, it's just like, I don't know, a, 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 like a necessary evil maybe of the, of the current climate. But look, I mean, I've had, I, I, I've fallen victim to, to spoilers by like shows that I've been watching, I've like, you know, kind of absentmindedly been scrolling on Twitter and I've just been like, oh, shoot, <laughs> like, I didn't know that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's like, look, you, you got to you got to just know what you're getting into. So I don't think you can I don't think you can chirp people for. I mean, it is annoying, right? Like, and, and they're going, they're going for like that, that instant reaction, uh, you know, to get those, like, to get that, generate that buzz. But at the same time, I, I don't think you can, you can blame someone else for having a show spoiled for you. You gotta, you just gotta know that this is almost 2023, and and that's just the way things work. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'll chirp people that try to spoil it for other people. Uh, it is annoying, but for personal rule of thumb, I don't typically post anything. I think night of, if you want to respond, fine. But the next day, I think it's fair game. If you have an opinion that spoils something, you got the, you have the right to do it. I mean, it's social media. I don't think everything's been like spoiled for me before. I used to watch Game of Thrones, and that's the only show I could think of that had some major spoilers. But uh, I've never been spoiled, I don't think so. I don't have a ton of opinions on it other than it's kind of fair game. And I, I agree. Well, I really do think it's fair game. Because, like, look, you're not going to watch a live sporting event and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to wait to tweet about it until the next day so that people can I agree. have a chance to watch totally. it. Totally. I totally agree. And, and it's like, oh, I want to go home and watch the game, so I got to stay off Twitter. Okay, then, then tape it right. and, and stay off social media. I... I it's, you know, you can do what you want. And if you close your eyes, if you don't want to see it, I, I don't agree. I was just wondering, I want to know what you guys thought, because I, I thought you guys would be like, oh, there's Colby again, being unreasonable. But I, 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 I just think that you're right. It's fair. It's completely fair game. And um, watch it on time if you don't want to get spoiled. Yeah, next day is fair game. You've been unreasonable enough already. <laughs> That's my middle name. This episode. <laughs> Five dollar foot long. 
<laughs> I was gonna say, and Sue, like you've got, you've 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 been plenty plenty unreasonable on this episode, Colby. Don't you worry. Someone about has that. to be Chris. <laughs> oh boy. All right, well, we are out of time for today on the latest episode of the Blackhawks Insiders Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and, and thanks once again to Steve Levy, Mark Messier, Chris Chelios for joining us. We really appreciate it. Also, thank you to our producers, Trevor Bray and Jenna Rose. Jenna Rose, by the way, also uh, a huge Sue the Dinosaur fan, and she confirmed that we actually don't know the gender of Sue the Dinosaur. So um, I'll let you... Uh, Take that and run with it as you will. Thank you for the clarification, Jenna. As a reminder, more content is always available at Blackhawks.com. And thank you, as always, to Brad Dollar and Southside Jake for the music featured on the podcast. We will talk to you next week. For Colby and Kaylee, I'm Chris. So long, everybody.